But as we look upon this year, there's lots of things that we can be thankful for, and there's lots of things that I, that I really want to share with you. And those of you who have hung out with me for a little bit know that I'm never short for words. Um, and my poor wife is very gracious and, and listens. And uh, when I'm not talking, she thinks something's wrong. So, um, so that's good. But there's several things that I wanted us... i got to tighten this thing one of these days. Okay. The idea of a church theme is interesting. And... But I think at the same time, you might go, well, why a church theme, right? Uh, isn't gathering together and being, you know, people that are hidden Christ enough? Yes, it's enough. But at the same time, I believe God wants us to grow together. To have a church theme for the year creates what I believe is a sense of cohesion around central themes that we want to develop personally and collectively. How are we looking at things together? How, how are we acting in these certain manners that come across from us. The Apostle Paul writes in various places about the importance of the church, the people in the church, building one another up in love. We are part of the body of Christ. If you didn't know that, if you received the free gift of salvation from Jesus Christ, you are part of the body of Christ. And we each have something to contribute. Really, you have something to offer to everybody else here. And we need to understand that from one another, that there is something you have that God has gifted you with. You're part of the body of Christ that helps the whole body function and builds one, one another up in the love of Christ. However, if we are not aware of the call to grow up in love and the need that we have to help one another grow, we are ignoring the purpose of the church. And I'm sure most of us would be like, well, I like coming to church. You know, people are nice there. I mean, we have food today. I mean, that's awesome, right? <laughs> you know, it's not just about growing up and learning cute Bible stories and just some, some things that you can look and go, well, that historically happened and there is a God, there's a creator. It's really about how do we introduce people and connect them with a salvific experience in Christ? And then how do we grow that, that relationship with Christ? Because left to ourselves, we would just go right back to what we came from. And God has given us one another. The church gathers together to be equipped for the work of the ministry. We gather so you and I, when we leave this place, can go do the work of the ministry. There is ministry to be done here, absolutely. But it doesn't stop here, right? We're sent to go do stuff. We grow in grace by gathering which inspires our going. So listen to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to back up to verse 11 through 16. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Is that happening today? Lots of things you're like, man, you guys are trying to even convince me that some of this stuff that's going on in the world is, is, is okay. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, 
growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. That's what the church is doing, building one another up, helping them grow into maturity in Christ. The work of the church is a collaboration of believers who have been gifted to build one another up and grow in love. Sounds like a broken record, but this is what's true. We need to drill this into our our minds and our hearts. We're here to build one another up in love. We are also being transformed by the Holy Spirit as he works into us the very disposition of Christ. And I think that that's, that's worth repeating. The Holy Spirit is working into each of us the very disposition of Christ. You know people will have dispositions. You're like, hmm, that person, he's just grumpy all the time. That person, they're just happy like a cheerleader all the time. I can't, they just wear me out. That person's just like this, all the time, right? There's a disposition that God, the Holy Spirit, is working in us to be Christ-like. So, we are going to be growing in grace John chapter 1, verses 14 and 16. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And from his fullness we all have received grace upon grace. The idea of grace upon grace is this grace without measure. It's just continually flowing and being given to you. I'm very thankful for that, and I hope you are. We need to remind one another. That this grace is there and constantly pouring over us. The Apostle Paul emphasizes grace as a means by which we are saved, not of works, so that no man can boast. And again, in the church, we have this problem. We, get, we understand oh, it's by grace that we've been saved, but then now we try to tell people, no, but to retain your salvation, you've got to do some stuff. Instead of going, wait, it all hinges on the grace of God in Christ. Grace is so important that we grow in that. We cannot fathom the depth or the width or the height of grace. The cornerstone of our faith rests on the grace of God. To grow in the grace of God is accomplished by being mindful of his glorious grace that has been bestowed upon you and spending time sharing that grace with others. Next week we're going to look in depth a lot more about grace. This is kind of our overview for the next few weeks. The second thing we need to understand that we're going to be doing, we're going to grow in gathering this whole year. As we go through the church calendar, one thing we'll do is we'll kind of look at the sermon. We'll go, how am I growing in grace from this text? How am I growing in gathering from this text? How am I growing in going? Now listen, not every time is a text going to speak to every single one of those things. But it will speak to one of those things, for sure. And we'll draw those out to say, how am I growing in grace? How am I growing in gathering? Now, if we are to grow in grace, we will need to spend time encouraging grace in one another. Now, listen, it's never my intention to put guilt trips on people. You know, the last thing you want is to come on a Sunday morning and go, man, you guys aren't here enough, right? That's not my my heart. So I want you to understand that. You know, I... I, uh, I have a problem when I was, what was one pastor called it a drug problem. He was drugged to church on Sunday, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. That, you know, that, that's akin to me. I was there three to four times a week my whole life growing up. And, you know, that was my community. That was my family. Now, again, there wasn't as many things vying for family's attentions when I was that age. 
Um, you know, when I played football, even in high school, we ended practice early so that people that went to church could go to church. There was never soccer games on Sunday. Never. And I still think that's pretty, there's not soccer games out here for kids, are there, on Sunday? There are now. See? And, and so now it's like, if, you know, because you're not cool if your kids aren't involved in every single sport out there, right? You know, if you're not, you know, almost going bankrupt trying to pay for all their sporting activities, you know, and all their dance classes, something's wrong with you. That's the, the bill that was being sold to us by the world. Now, again, it's not wrong for people to be involved in things. What's wrong and where the challenges is where that starts interrupting your time to gather together with other believers, whether it be Sunday or any other time during the week. I don't want to make us feel that our relationship with Christ rests on whether or not we attend church regularly. So don't misunderstand me. God's given us the church and asked us to gather together because it's beneficial, not only for us, but for his body to grow together and for his mission for the world to be accomplished. Oh, I will tell you, though, there's going to be times you miss. I get that. I understand that. But I would pray that that would be the exception and not the norm. Why? Because it's so good for us to gather together. It's so good for us to, to connect with one another. It's so good for us to be built up in our faith. It's tough out there in the world. You know, you go to the store, you go back to work, you go to, you know, the movies, whatever you do, and, and there's nothing often that is really pointing you to Jesus Christ. Everything is telling you, you know, you're wasting your time gathering together. You know, there's so many more fun things to do, you know, and even kind of, kind of the question of the original uh, fall of man, did God really say you needed to hang out with one another? Did God really say that Jesus is the most important thing and your life needs to center about that? You'll hear that a lot. It is my intention that we would grow with a greater depth of knowledge and understanding of why we should long to gather together, not just on Sunday mornings, but as often as possible. I like hanging out with people. You know, Lake and Laura and I went out to, to dinner the other night. It was great. Had a good time, you know. Um, Laura invited the waitress to church, so... <laughs> we'll see she goes, like, she goes oh I've been looking for one I can't come this Sunday but next Sunday and then she goes are you guys a Christian church <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah you know we are <clears throat> uh, hasn't been to church for a while so you know it's just it's, it's exciting to see what God wants to do you have a contribution to the church and when we forsake the regular habit of gathering together we limit the local body of Christ from functioning properly again not to put a guilt trip on any of us. But coming to church regularly is a habit. I, I hate to say that. Um, but it is. It should just be... Should. <laughs> I wrestle with saying that to people. But we want it to become just a habit. This is part of our routine. This is what we do. And we have to believe that the Holy Spirit is working that in people. You know, I used to get upset with people when they wouldn't show up to church when I was first in ministry. I would just be angry. I mean, it would affect the way I would lead songs, you know. Everything was just really, you know, it wasn't. <laughs> That's a new version of that song. Well, I was mad. No, I didn't say. But, but, but what would happen was, is, is, and, so, and so, you know, as I was half-heartedly praying about it, you know, telling the Lord, tell those people. He's like, well, wait a second. What's your, what's your heart hurt? What's your attitude here? You should be sad and grieved that they're missing out on gathering together and that they're, that they're choosing a lesser joy. Now, not all the time. 
right? Again, you go on vacation, you go on trips, you're ill, your kids are sick. Oh, man, if your kids are throwing up or, you know, you don't, well, I don't want them here, just so you know. <laughs> if you're throwing up, I really don't want you here either. Uh, you know, one of my pastors I served with, he would never leave the pulpit. And I kid you not, he was like so ill. And we're like, Ray, we, we got other pastors here. We can do this, right? We, you know, uh, I, was ra- I was taught when I first went into ministry, always have a sermon in your back pocket, you, you know, because you never know. And he goes, no, no. And so we had a bucket underneath the pulpit just in case for him. <laughs> I'm like, come on, that's commitment, right? You know. Your presence among the family, though, contributes to the growth of others, whether you're aware of it or not. I think sometimes that's the, the lie of the enemy. Well, you're, you know, you don't have anything to contribute there. There's no reason for you to be there. You know, they can do fine without you. Church is going to carry on whether you're there or not. Romans 12, verses 4 through 5 explains that for as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ. And individually, we're members of one another. We affect one another. When one of us isn't functioning properly, the rest of the body has to compensate. You know, uh, I've had many injuries over the years. I haven't been kind to my body. And so when, when my knee, let's see, which one do I want to talk about? Anyway, my knee, before my first knee surgery, I didn't realize how much I was compensating for it. And the reality is I was missing an eighth of an inch off my femur because it been, my, my knee had been blown out for so long. But the body was compensating with it. There's, there's things that were growing inside my knee. This shouldn't have been there because it was compensating for the damage that was done to my knee. That's what happens with our body when we're not working together, when we're not present with one another. Is, is if, someone's, if someone's suffering, the whole body suffers. And we compensate. Why? To build that person up in the love of Christ. We need each other, which means you need others. (gasps) What? I need others? Yeah. You need to be here. You need to gather during the week, hang out for coffee. You know, we can text one another. That's like a a quick little gather. I like the text. Um, It's it's nice. It's quick. I don't have to go through the formalities. Hey, how's it going? How's your day? Just, hey, I'm thinking about you. Hope you're having a great week. I don't mind seeing how your day is going and everything like that. It's just sometimes it's a lot quicker. So in a couple of weeks, we'll, we'll dive a lot deeper into that. And again, it's really tough because, you know, we, we preach in, in the Lutheran church law and gospel. And sometimes these type of topics, especially church gathering, can feel like all law. And I don't want you to come away with that. Because the reality is, is I want you to understand and get an excitement about the benefit of gathering together. Again, not just Sunday mornings. But during the week, you know, hanging out socially, you know, like Friday night was fun. I mean, you know, it wasn't like we had in-depth theological discussions, but, you know, we're, we're brothers and sisters in Christ talking, hanging out, enjoying life together. The next thing we're going to be looking on is growing and going. Now, say that 10 times fast. <clears throat> we have been given the Great Commission. I think everybody knows that. You know, for the most part, you know that the end, Jesus said, hey, go make disciples of all men, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. Go do it. Go make disciples. We have the tendency in our culture to individualize our faith and be, and be content with keeping the love and the grace of God to ourselves. Nobody here. You are all out there freely sharing, doling out the grace and the love of Christ. But I've heard that there are people who like to just hold it to themselves and don't want to bother with other people. 
Another thing that's been kind of a problem in the culture, and it kind of goes back to Ephesians chapter 4, where Paul explains that the whole purpose of the church is to equip everyone to go do the work of the ministry, is we've had this, this it's a fairly recent, you know, 150 years trend, bring people to the church and the pastor, the preacher, whoever's standing up there, he's going to tell them about Jesus. It's not, that's a lot of pressure on the pastor and the preacher. It really is. We are to be those. In fact, you know, there wasn't this whole altar call. Have you guys heard of that before? I'm sure you have. But, you know, I grew up in a lot of, uh, of instances where at the end of the service, it went something like this. Now you know that you're a sinner. And you know that, that you're, you're apart from God. And you know you want to be saved. You don't want to go to hell. And right now your hands are probably sweaty. Now, by the way, this was usually after the end of a 55-minute message, so there's a lot of things that were sweaty at that point in time. So, you know, you, know you, you feel like you just can't get out of your seat. And here's the thing. When people come to a church building, they're probably already sensitive to the things of the spiritual realm because they, they walked in the building. And typically, those of us who are already saved, who are already believers, feel guilty a lot of the time because we listen to the enemy who pours this condemnation on us because we didn't live correctly this last week. Yeah, I blew it here. I said a little white lie. I wasn't honest here. I didn't focus on Jesus here. You know, so we already feel that way. So when we come to church for somebody to say, hey, you know, you kind of blew it this week, didn't you? Well, yeah, that's why I'm here, you know? <laughs> and then at the end, you know, they, they say, okay, everyone bow your head and close your eyes. And, and if you want to receive Christ, you know, raise your hand. And I had the fortunate, unfortunate, to be in a large church where I would stand before people because the guitar would play softly, you know, as he's, as he's giving the call. And our pastor would say, oh, yeah, I see you there. And I'm like, no one raised their hand. What are you talking about? And then, then someone else would raise their hand. I'm like, you've come forward every single week since I've been here for three years. You know, so there was this kind of thing that this was a manipulation. The church is to build one another up aside from any emotional manipulation. Now, emotions are great. I like emotions. That's why I like music so much, and I like the arts. It's very, it taps into something, but our emotions should be under the control of the Holy Spirit. And when we come to church, when we gather together, we should be encouraged so that we can go and live our lives for Christ in the midst of a world that rejects Him. And that's what our job is, when we get together, so that we can go Right, we have the, the slogan that we'll say at the end, don't just go to church, be the church. We have a sign out there, I'll probably get ahead of my notes here, that says, you know, you're now entering the mission field. Our desire is that we and our children and our family members have the same future as Christ as us. But typically that's where it ends. A lot of times we're like, I just want my kids, I want uh, the, the, the cousin that I like. Um, I, I, want, uh, I want them to, to, to know Christ or I want that person to know Christ because they're awful and I just can't stand them so I'd like to be in the same room with them but until they know Jesus I can't be so that's kind of our selfishness to it it's important to remember that we are entering the mission field we are the representatives of God what does it mean to be the church we'll talk about that some more in a few weeks and he has commanded us to go and to plead with others to be reconciled to God through Christ. This is a tough passage for me in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I like that I'm a new creation in Christ. I like that the old is gone and all things are new. And I like that I'll even say, hey, yeah, I'm a representative of Christ, sure. But then the language is you're pleading, you're begging with others to be reconciled to God through Christ. And that's where I go, 
Ooh, wait a second. I don't, I, don't, I don't want to push the hard sell on people. I don't want them to think I'm a crazy fanatic. But what's my heart towards others who don't know Christ? Is my heart that, oh, I wish you would understand the joy and the love and the grace of God that, is, that far surpasses your understanding, the peace that you can have with God if you would just believe. Do I feel that towards others? I'm in, by, by the way, a lot of times when I have to, you know, when I'm preparing these things, it's, I'm like, I don't know if I want to put that in because that speaks to me too much, right? We're all in this together. We must know that we have received the gift of grace because God used others at some point to get us to Jesus, most often. I've known a few people who have been on drug trips and God spoke to them to that and they got sobered up like that. But most often that was um, preceded by someone telling that person about Christ or praying for that person. Most often people come to Jesus because of a relationship with somebody else. A friend, a grandparent, a parent, a brother, a sister, spouse, son or daughter, a co-worker has been used to bring you to Christ. I'm, I'm grateful I have grandparents, well, they passed away, but my grandparents and my parents praying people, dragging me to church, like I said. But even family gatherings, right? We're going to talk about Jesus. My grandfather always to his dying breath, how are you doing with Jesus, Kirk? How are you thinking about this? You're on a mission all the time. You know, when I told him years ago that I wanted to, to go into, into full-time ministry, he said, I don't think you should. He goes, there's more mission, mission field if you go into teaching. You know? And I'm like, well, yeah, you're, you're, you're right. So how do you have that balance? We are all on mission. This is the call to every believer. This is not reserved for only those who feel called to overseas missions. You're going to meet my, my son and daughter-in-law in a couple weeks. And they're just getting back Friday or, well, Thursday, their time, anyway. They, they get back into the States. They've been in India for two years. And it's a great learning experience. But it doesn't mean that those are the only people who are called to the mission field. You know, you read Hudson Taylor, Amy Carmichael, Elizabeth Elliot. Oh, man, we exalt these people because they went somewhere on the call of God. And yet God has asked each one of us to go and do the works that he's prepared in advance exactly where we're at because we're told to go God states that we all have a call of discipleship and that he has prepared that work and that's what I love he's prepared that work I don't have to try to figure it out or make it happen he's like I've prepared these relationships with you I've prepared these opportunities with you that, that you're gonna be there we are growing in the grace of God when we gather together our desire for others is to experience that grace of God and watch it grow. As we gather together, we build one another up in grace. And we are equipping one another to go and share the good news of Jesus Christ. Over the next three weeks, we will be looking at each of these aspects of growth in more depth. Just those specific ones. Grace, gathering, and going. And then we'll weave those into this whole next year. As we're looking at the life of Christ. As Advent comes around. Look at the grace of God. I won't get ahead of myself, but man, there's so much grace. How could we be so selfish with it at times? I ask that you encourage one another to desire the Sunday gathering as a springboard to growing in Jesus. I would also ask that you would reach out to those who are not here on a regular basis. Not to put a trip on them, okay? I don't want to go, hey, where have you been? You know, and that's, not what, that's not what you do. Hey, man, we, we miss you. We would love to see you here. I've been told that there were over 60 people here on Easter and not one of them was a visitor. They were all members of this church. So, of course, my 
business mind because you, you know I have my whole man what if they were here consistently all 60 of us you know what could we do what would that look like how much more joy right I mean I, I just love seeing you here by the way I love it when one person I love it when my wife actually says hey I'll go to church with you but but <laughs> but you know I, I love seeing all of you and I get energized I mean I have a lot of energy anyway until like nine o'clock at night but anyway um, but I have a lot of energy anyway you guys will notice when you hang out with me I talk a lot I enjoy talking about Jesus I enjoy talking about life experiences and how Jesus has been faithful because I certainly haven't been faithful and I, and, and I share that with all of you. I love saying, how are you doing with your kids? How are you doing with your spouse? How are you doing at your workplace? How are you doing in retired life? It's fun to get to know you and hang out. A few weeks ago, I started encouraging you. Hey, start praying. God, what are you inviting me into today? So when we're looking at that, God, how are you inviting me to grow in grace today? How are you inviting me to grow in gathering today? What's Tuesday. We don't gather on Tuesday. Well, maybe you could grab coffee with somebody or lunch or make a phone call, email, text. What? A fax. No, they do those anymore? Anyway, so. <laughs> but what are you inviting me into? There's an expectation that God's working and we get to be part of it. Now, you might have seen on your, on your chairs as you came in these lovely things here. Now, my wife's like, why yellow? I'm like, well, that's the cardstock we had in the cabinet over there. <laughs> I said, but also, you know, yellow is, is, is kind of makes you slow down, right? It, it, well, <laughs> most of us go faster when we see yellow. But anyway, um, but when you see the blinking yellow arrow, you're definitely going to slow down. It's not a, hey, let's go. It's let's look. But also cause to pause. But what I want us to do as, as a believing church is to start writing names on this. Put this somewhere where you can see it on a regular basis. You know, I'm going to pray for these people. Maybe they're a family member. Maybe they're someone at the grocery store. Maybe they're at the coffee shop. Maybe it's someone who has been not in fellowship for a while, and you're like, I need to pray for these people. And that we would pray and watch, and we would expect God to work in their lives. Now, um, if all of these are taken and filled out today that are here, which obviously they're not all going to be taken, That'd be 572 people that would be, if they're all filled out, that we would be praying for in this little body. Now, if you're like, I have a longer list than that, click take another one. But our heart would be that we are looking towards others. We're looking and expecting God to work. We have the red letter challenge coming up, a great thing to pray for people. Hey, God, will you bring these people to the red letter challenge? The books are in. I'll have them out next week. Look, this is just a 40-day challenge to be in the words of Jesus. Right? Now, that's why I read letter, because some translations have a red letter. Now, if I were to say, you know, don't you want to be in 40, 40 days in the words of Jesus? It's hard for you to go, well, no, not really. I mean, you know. But I want to encourage you. It's not to put a trip on you, but it's to come and gather together and grow in Jesus Christ. To grow in our relationship with one another. It's okay to be challenged. So, on, well, also, we have opportunity to serve children. And I know children scare a lot of you. I know a lot of you are like, I have my children, they're gone, thank goodness, right? I know that. I get that. Not everyone is like my wife who loves kids. I mean, the younger, the better for her. I'm like, huh, okay, great. I like older kids that I can have a conversation with. So that's why I like all of you, because we can have conversations. And we're all a bunch of kids anyway, right? <laughs> but again, I've emphasized this before. 
there's actually great joy in serving the kids. You actually get to learn stuff about their families. No, but um, you get to learn stuff. But if, if, we, if we gather together and serve the body, if we get eight people, we've already got my wife for sure, so we need seven more, then you would only be one once every four weeks. So it's not this burden of I'm going to be cast into the dungeon for all eternity, right? Which a lot of people feel. And if you're scared, we have some, you know, Laura will go alongside you. She's not scared of kids. So, you know, it's like, oh, man, kids, they freak me out. Okay, maybe it's not. So I want to encourage you to those things. Pray watch cards. God, what are you inviting me into? Think and pray about. Set aside time for the Red Letter Challenge and serving the children. It won't be a death sentence to serving children. So let's just take a moment and let's respond in the, in the power of the Spirit. I believe God is always speaking to us. Um, I know it. <laughs> I don't just believe it. I know it. And, and I believe that he's, he's tugging on our hearts. And again, his ways are gentle and kind. I can come across a little, a little uh, forceful at times, and I don't want to be that. And so I want to encourage you as we just take a moment and say, okay, Lord, what did you say to me today? And help me, God. I can't do this. Let me respond in the strength of your spirit. Yesterday, uh, we got to do a little baptism. Now, I am wearing the same clothes as today, so don't judge me. Okay? Um, different shoes, different underwear. But anyway, um, so this is little uh, Jolene Jade Orgel. So you might know Tyler Orgel, who actually was in the 91 directory about Jolene's age. And so um, he's in the Army National Guard in Shelley. He found out uh, just a couple days ago that they were hoping to move back to Pocatello. They're sending him to Burley. So um, they think that the next time is here. But anyway, we got to celebrate. Um, she was a, a rock star. She didn't cry. Uh, just a beautiful little girl. That's their third daughter. And so um, got the sponsors there. And I, their other little daughter's head got cut off in that picture. But there's Tyler. <laughs> Um, in the tie there. So uh, just I, I share these with you for a couple reasons. Number one, um, they still consider this their, their church home, Tyler and Christina do. I mean, this is just where they always, they haven't found a church that they really feel connected to. And so um, two things, pray for them, their children, continue to, that they would just find, I think that it's important that they would find a church wherever they move that they can get plugged into and get that family to support them as they raise their children in the ways of the Lord. So today our text will be from Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. Now we, we did go through it um, as we read the epistle reading today. Last week uh, we introduced a, a church year theme, and it's the year of growing. We're going to be growing in several different areas, well three to be exact. As we look at God's word over the next weeks and months, we will look at how it helps us grow in grace how his word helps us grow in gathering, and how the word, when we look through it, helps us grow in going. So when we look at different passages throughout the church calendar year, we'll kind of go, how does this fit into growing in grace? You know, it might not fit into growing and in going, or it might not fit into growing and in gathering, but definitely I think every scripture we can look at how it helps us grow in grace, I would hope. Ephesians 2, 15 and 16, we looked at last week that kind of explains that we are the body of Christ and that we all have these parts that we have to play. And the purpose of each person in the body of Christ is to build one another up in love, that they might be mature in Christ, in love. That's our job. That's your job. That's my job. That's the church globally's job to help one another build themselves up 
in love, to grow in that love. Now today we will focus on the gift of grace. We must know that grace is a gift that continually gives. You've heard of the, the, the gift that never, you know, what's that phrase? The gift that keeps on giving? You know, I think they stole this from grace. It just continues to give and give. Now you may have heard this definition of grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. Have some of you heard that before? Right? It's an it's a easy little catchphrase to kind of remember an acronym of grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. Cool. God gives you his riches at the expense of Christ. Well, that's kind of interesting. Though I think it's a catchy phrase and one that begins a conversation, I think we need to understand what this really means to us and to the world around us. God's riches at Christ's expense. Christ willingly went to the cross for the joy that was set before him to extend the riches of the kingdom of God to you and I and to all, actually. He provided it for all. Ephesians 2, 8 and through 10, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Sometimes we just say it's a gift of God. No, it's the gift of God. Salvation through grace. The gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. If anybody ever tells you, hey, I deserve to be saved, they don't. <laughs> Simple as that. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good work, works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now again, I talked about it when we read it, that the workmanship is the word poem, a work of art, a masterpiece. And I think this, is, this was radical for me years ago when I studied this. And I thought, how often do I look at you and you and you and whoever who are in Christ as God's masterpiece? And I really, when we think of people who don't believe in Christ yet, they're just like this lump of clay, right? That God's ready. He, he put them up. He's ready to put them up on that potter's wheel and to make them a work of art. But when we look at one another, it really helps your mind. When I'm like, wait a second, you're God's masterpiece. Whoa. Most often, we don't look at each other with that grade of, oh, you're a work of art. Instead, we go, oh, man, life hasn't been good to you, right? <laughs> like, oh, you know, yeah. the barn needs painting sometimes. Okay, so first point, grace is undeserved. And you're like, well, duh, it's undeserved. Although we have a problem with this sometimes, right? Grace is the unmerited favor of God. You know, you go work. You, you earn a merit badge when you're in the scouts. You've done something to earn that. You cannot earn the grace of God. The Apostle Paul explains just before this that God, who is rich in mercy, when we were dead in our sins, made us alive in Christ. By grace you have been saved. Listen, if you're dead, you know, many of us have been to a funeral before. Many of us have seen uh, you know, a person who the spirit has definitely left them. You're like, that's not that person anymore. And you know that person's not, everything has to be done for them. Right? They can't move. They can't do anything. There's no life in them. We were dead. We couldn't have done anything. Christ did it all for us. God, by his grace, has lifted us up into the heavenly places and seated us in Christ. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are seated with him at the right hand of the Father. We don't live like that very often because we're still stuck in this world. We're still stuck. When I look at cheeseburger, I still gain weight, right? We're still stuck in this. 
But we're at the right hand of the Father, continually showing us and generations to come his immeasurable grace. Now, this placement in Christ, this is a tough one to wrap your mind around. But it's one of power, authority, and victory. Christ has imparted these to you. Grace has imparted these to you. In Christ, all power, authority, and victory are in Jesus Christ. Now, if you're like me, you don't feel very powerful sometimes. You don't feel very victorious sometimes. In fact, you don't feel like there's any authority over anything in your life. And that's okay. Because it's Jesus who has that. And he's imparted that to you. He says, let me do that. By my grace, let me do those things in and through you. I've given power over these things. The free gift of God is the lavish love displayed through his marvelous, continual action of grace. We hold to the truth of the old hymn that says, Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that is greater than all our sin. I think sometimes we think, oh man, I've just gone too far. You know, again, you know, do you ever look at yourself when you do something and go, really, again? You know, and, and God forbid you'd ever do that to your kids, but I did that to my kids. Again? Really? Come on. You know better than that. Well, no, maybe they don't. Maybe I don't at times. So maybe you feel undeserving of God's grace. Maybe you've had a tough week, a tough month, a tough year, a tough season. We have those. It's rough sometimes. You may have made some choices hmm, that the enemy currently brings up that makes you question your position in Christ. Right? If I tell you, hey, you're in a position of power, authority, and victory because you're hidden in Christ, you might go, really? You might be here today and feel like you've gone too far for God's grace to reach you. Let me proclaim to you that the grace of God extends beyond our wildest imagination, and nothing can separate you from his love poured out in and through grace. If you hear nothing else today, hear that, that he has done it for you, and there's nothing you can do to separate you from that love. People know, you need to know that why we were still far from God not wanting God. In fact, it says we were enemies of God. I don't want anything to do with you. You guys know some people. I don't want anything to do with you, God. If there is such a thing, right? Some people say that. We desire only our selfish and simple desires. Christ still died and paid the price for our sin to be removed for all eternity. Isaiah 59, one of my favorite verses. You hear that a lot from me, right? But seriously, 59.1. This is a great verse. Behold, the Lord's hand is not too short to save. Meaning no one's beyond his reach. You have some people you're like, okay, forget it. They're never coming back to Christ or they're never going to receive Christ. I mean, I think of, you know, serial murders and things like that, you know, Charles Manson. You know what? God can save that guy. He can. It's not too short to save. This includes, though, you and it includes me and any loved one we may have lost hope for. I mean, there's times you pray for people for weeks, months, years, and they're just not, not turning towards the Lord, and we sometimes give up. Trust that the Lord says that his arm is not too short to save. They haven't gone too far. 
And this gives us grace and hope for others. Would you see these on your seats? And I'll push these for a couple weeks and years. No. But, um, but I think it's so important that we pray for people. I think it's so important that we know there are people in our lives that we want to see God work in. That we like, oh, if you just knew Jesus, if you would just receive his gift, your life, would, you would just be so much happier. And I don't want to go to heaven without you. I mean, we have those type of friends. And sometimes, like, I wish you'd get saved so I could get along with you, right? There's that, too. But let's not negate the power of prayer. So this says, you know, I am praying and watching with expectation for God to move in the lives of these people. I encourage you, write some people down, put it on your fridge, put it on a mirror, put it somewhere where you look at every day to remind you to pray for these people. And then watch in expectation. That's another problem we have. Sometimes, you, you know, because we're, we forget how awesome the grace of God is, that we don't watch with expectation that God's really going to do what we're praying for. The next point is that grace is our foundation. Our faith is only as deep as the grace of God. Let me say that again. Our faith is only as deep as the grace of God. Now, the grace of God is a never-ending fountain of joy flooding the souls of his beloved kid. You can't find the depth of it. So if faith is only as deep as the grace of God, and there is no end to the depth of the grace of God, our faith continues to draw and grow in the fathomless depths of grace. You'll continually grow in this grace. You and I stand on the reality of grace, and we hold fast to the grace of God. And we want to be those who are so overwhelmed with the grace of God that we freely give the grace of God to others because that's the natural response when, we're, when we really understand and we're really cognizant of the grace of God in our lives. We like to give it to other people. John Mark McMillan penned the words of a song that's been on the radio lately. If grace is an ocean, we're all sinking. I think I said this several weeks ago. If grace is an ocean, we're all sinking. Think about the ocean. Sometimes you go in the ocean and you can't see land anywhere around you. And grace just overwhelms you to where you can't even get out of it. And it's a good thing. We want to drown in grace. That's a good thing. We want to be drenched in grace. Once we have received grace, we are placed, immersed in the glorious life of grace. Now, the weird thing about us is what do we do? Let me get outside of that grace for a little bit. And, and you can't, but you, you just think you try. You try. It's, we're so weird. I don't get it. I'm glad God is long-suffering and continues to give us more and more grace. Now we can pray, though, with confidence when we understand this grace. God, what are you inviting me into today? Because we're so overwhelmed with the grace. I'm getting excited about grace I get to give to somebody. I'm getting excited about where, God, you're going to place me today because all your ways are grace upon grace. And I can go, hey, I'm stepping with full grace. You know, if you want to step in something, step in grace, right? And maybe we can ask each other, hey, are you stepping in it? <laughs> but we mean grace, right? <clears throat> we now stand on the promise, experience, and the surety of God's grace. This grace is overwhelming, and it brings us to our, our last point here. Grace is a motivator. It really is. Ephesians 2.10 states that, that we have been given salvation through grace that results in walking in works that God has prepared for us to walk into. I call this the divine setup. Listen, God has prepared stuff for you to walk into. He's already done it. All his ways are good. And our problem, somebody, well, I don't know, God. 
he's prompting you to go talk to that person or he's saying hey you know I want you to do this or go over here or hey when you're at work today can you can you focus on me a little bit more or hey when you go out with your friends you know I'm, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to share and and so we start stressing out about it and we, and we go I don't know if I can trust God to stand for him maybe not all you you guys are all just these radical evangelists that are telling everybody about Christ I know that but I hear there are people like this who stress out about just living for Christ and being excited about the grace that God has given them wherever they might find. So here's a question. So God's preparing these works in advance that you walk in them. If God prepares something, will it accomplish his purposes? And we're like, we all say, yeah, of course. But yet still we're like, well, maybe his purposes were this and this happened because I failed, right? It's not about you. Pressure's off of you. All the pressure is on God, who gives you grace upon grace and always fulfills his purpose. So if he has prepared walk, things for you to walk in and you walk in them in light of his grace, guess what? His purpose will be fulfilled. And again, remember, his ways are not our ways. So sometimes we're like, how can this be fulfilling your purpose? And only to find out later, did it drive you to, to just rest upon the grace of God? Did it drive you to say, oh, Lord, I'm busted. It's all about you. You know, did it drive you to go, you know, it's not about me. I can't earn anything. It's all about you. God prepares works for us to accomplish by the power of his spirit, inspired by our standing in grace. Grace causes us to care about others. Grace gives us a heart to reach out to others, right? Because we've been cared for. God's given us the grace. We've been reached out to by God's grace. Grace draws us to extend grace to others. Man, I don't want to hog this. But here's a challenge for us. Am I being selfish with God's grace? Sometimes I'm like, hey, thank you, Jesus. I'll take it. I don't care about anybody else. Yeah, this is confession time for me, right? Sometimes I'm that way. I'm like, you know what? Thank you, Jesus, but I just, I just don't want to put up with people. Certain people, not you. I'll put up with you. <laughs> it's a joy to hang out with all of you. But there are some people I'm like, you know what? I, I'm just tired, I, you know? You guys have those people. Don't, don't lie. Your family gatherings, extended family, there's that one person. And you're like, oh, okay. Help me out, Jesus, right? And so what do you do? You spend, instead of extending grace, you spend your time, there they are. There they are. <laughs> you just keep staying away from them. Don't be selfish with God's grace. He is definitely not selfish with it to you. When we are overwhelmed with the weight of God's grace and how great his love is for us, we cannot help but be motivated to share his grace with others. But the problem we have is this. It's us. If you look in the mirror, that's the problem we have. Now, I'm not going to be one of those guys that says we have to constantly just beat ourselves up because that's, that's a wrong focus too. But we need to have this balance to go, you know what? I'm not this, but God is everything. I can't do this, but through, all, through God, all things are possible. I don't have the goods, but God has gifted them to me and is going to work through me. We need to understand that's a good, healthy balance as a believer. We become distracted, and we, dare I say, even as a believer, we become conceited. And you know what? We think, you know, our stuff doesn't stink so bad. It's all right. And we neglect to remember or be aware of the amount of grace God has gifted us. Say you had just a, a blow-up moment in your life that you were just busted big time. And you were so thankful for the grace of God. But then you start these steps to recovery. You pick yourself back up again. Your life starts going again. And you start finding yourself just, yeah, I'm okay. I'm good. And God's like, wait, you're only there because I lifted you out of the dark pit. 
how can you take that to your credit now? But we do that. And he goes, oh, come here. Let me help you out a little bit. And hopefully that we would be those people that hear the gentle voice of God speaking out grace upon us. Hey, look what I've done for you. Hey, aren't you great grateful that I have just brought you this far? Isn't it great you're not dependent upon yourself? This is why I think one of the values of gathering together, whether it be here on a Sunday morning, whether it be for coffee during the week, whether it be at somebody's house for dinner or, you know, with other things that we have offered to do, it's to remind us of the grace of God. I was thinking this morning, you know, before Bible study here, we're laughing. And Mick says, isn't it great that we just have a good time and we laugh together? That's grace. To be able to laugh and to have joy is just a gift of grace from the Lord. And why wouldn't you want to do that? It's fun to laugh. I think it's fun to laugh. You know, they say it's, uh, they say, the Bible, <laughs> it's good medicine. Well, maybe we should laugh a little more. Don't take it as far as some of the charismatic people. But, you know, maybe we should laugh a little bit more. Be a little more lighthearted. Man, it's done. God's grace, it's done. All my troubles. Not to worry about. But it's good to be reminded of our humanity when we get together and the great desperation for the intervention of God on our behalf. When we get together, yeah, we have a good time, but at some point in time, you know, you're like, hey, isn't God good? Isn't it amazing what he's done? You know, one of these things that, that I've always said is when, when Christians get together, you know, we don't have to contrive anything. Christ will come up in the conversation. It's just the way we're wired. If Christ is your life and you're sharing life with other people, Christ is going to become the topic of conversation at some point in time. It is not that we are those who do not walk in this Christian life victorious, because we do. It is that we need to be keenly aware of who has won the victory. Jesus. There was a book years ago called The Victorious Christian Living. And I'll tell you something, I felt very unvictorious after I read it. Great author. I mean, I, I, like, I like the author. But it's like, if, you don't, if you're doing this, you're living victorious. If you're doing this, you're living victorious. If you're doing this, you're living victorious. I said, how about if I focus on Jesus? I, and I have a hard time even doing that. God, help me do that. He is the victory. Your victory is in Jesus, not in anything you do. And as a response to what he's done, he'll guide you and lead you in those works that he's prepared in advance for you to walk in that show you that you're victorious in him and because of him. When we come together, we encourage one another in the grace of the Lord. I pray that we are a people who are known for how well we extend grace. Because you know what? People need grace. Because we know we don't deserve it. And when it's given to us, when you don't deserve it, it is just a healing salve. You just go, oh, man, how humbled am I that I would receive this grace. How wonderful is it that we have the opportunity to enjoy the grace of God in the moment of communion this morning. Because when we come to the communion, it's not some routine. It's not something that we, okay, we went to the Lord's table. It must be the third uh, Sunday of the month because here I am and we're, we're doing it. No, it's more than that. It's we're coming and it's a means of grace that God has said, hey, guess what? The presence of Jesus Christ is here. And he wants to tell you, you're forgiven. I've done it for you. Be at peace. We need that reminder because we're forgetful people. Not only are we remembering, but in the very presence of Jesus, he's reminding. 
So I think there's this duality of, of, of that happens. Jesus says, hey, do this in remembrance of me. Why? Because we need to be reminded. And his pr- we need to be in his presence. And so he's like, this is a spiritual act, people. This isn't just, oh, yeah, great, thank you. He's like, hey, I'm here. I want you to know that I'm here. When we come to the Lord's table, we are banking. We are counting on the fact that the presence of Christ is there and giving us grace upon grace. So let's take a moment. I believe, like I said, that God is always speaking. I believe he speaks through his word. I believe he, he, he brings things. When you come together, just say, I'm going to go set some time aside to be at, at, at church. I'm going to set aside to be time to be you know, with the Lord and his people. He's drawing you, and he wants to speak to you, and I believe he's always speaking. So let's take some time, just for a moment here, to respond to what God is saying in the strength of the Spirit. Yesterday, uh, we got to do a little baptism. Now, I am wearing the same clothes as today, so don't judge me. Okay? Um, different shoes, different underwear. Anyway, um, so this is little uh, Jolene Jade Orgel. So you might know Tyler Orgel, who actually was in the 91 directory about Jolene's age. And so um, he's in the Army National Guard in Shelley. He found out uh, just a couple days ago that they were hoping to move back to Pocatello. They're sending him to Burley. So um, they think that the next time is here. But anyway, we got to celebrate. Um, she was a, a rock star. She didn't cry. Uh, just a beautiful little girl. That's their third daughter. And so um, got the sponsors there. And I, their other little daughter's head got cut off in that picture. But there's Tyler. Um, in the tie there. So uh, just I, I share these with you for a couple reasons. Number one, um, they still consider this their, their church home, Tyler and Christina do. I mean, this is just where they always, they haven't found a church that they really feel connected to. And so um, two things, pray for them, their children, continue to, that they would just find, I think that it's important that they would find a church wherever they move that they can get plugged into and get that family to support them as they raise their children in the ways of the Lord. So today our text will be from Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. Now we we did go through it um, as we read the epistle reading today. Last week uh, we introduced a a church year theme and it's the year of growing. We're going to be growing in several different areas, well three to be exact. As we look at God's word over the next weeks and months, we will look at how it helps us grow in grace how his word helps us grow in gathering, and how the word, when we look through it, helps us grow in going. So when we look at different passages throughout the church calendar year, we'll kind of go, how does this fit into growing in grace? You know, it might not fit into growing and going, or it might not fit into growing and gathering, but definitely I think every scripture we can look at how it helps us grow in grace, I would hope. Ephesians 2, 15 and 16, we looked at last week that kind of explains that we are the body of Christ and that we all have these parts that we have to play. And the purpose of each person in the body of Christ is to build one another up in love, that they might be mature in Christ, in love. That's our job. That's your job. That's my job. That's the church globally's job to help one another build themselves up in love, to grow in that love. Now today we will focus on the gift of grace. We must know that grace is a gift that continually gives. You've heard of the the, the gift that never, you know, what's that phrase? The gift that keeps on giving? You know, I think they stole this from grace. 
it just continues to give and give. Now, you may have heard this definition of grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. Have some of you heard that before? Right? It's an it's a easy little catchphrase to kind of remember, an acronym of grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. Cool. God gives you his riches at the expense of Christ. Well, that's kind of interesting. Though I think it's a catchy phrase and one that begins a conversation, I think we need to understand what this really means to us and to the world around us. God's riches at Christ's expense. Christ willingly went to the cross for the joy that was set before him to extend the riches of the kingdom of God to you and I and to all, actually. He provided it for all. Ephesians 2, 8 and through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Sometimes we just say it's a gift of God. No, it's the gift of God. Salvation through grace. The gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. If anybody ever tells you, hey, I deserve to be saved, they don't. <laughs> Simple as that. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good work, works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now again, I talked about it when we read it, that the workmanship is the word poem, a work of art, a masterpiece. And I think this, is, this was radical for me years ago when I studied this. And I thought, how often do I look at you and you and you and whoever who are in Christ as God's masterpiece? And I really, when we think of people who don't believe in Christ yet, they're just like this lump of clay, right? That God's ready. He, he put them up. He's ready to put them up on that potter's wheel and to make them a work of art. But when we look at one another, it really helps your mind. When I'm like, wait a second, you're God's masterpiece. Whoa. Most often, we don't look at each other with that great of, oh, you're a work of art. Instead, we go, oh, man, life hasn't been good to you, right? <laughs> like, oh, you know, yeah, the barn needs painting sometimes. Okay, so first point, grace is undeserved. And you're like, well, duh, it's undeserved. Although we have a problem with this sometimes, right? Grace is the unmerited favor of God. You know, you go work. You, you earn a merit badge when you're in the scouts. You've done something to earn that. You cannot earn the grace of God. The Apostle Paul explains just before this that God, who is rich in mercy, when we were dead in our sins, made us alive in Christ. By grace you have been saved. Listen, if you're dead, you know, many of us have been to a funeral before. Many of us have seen uh, you know, a person who the spirit has definitely left them. You're like, that's not that person anymore. And you know that person's not, everything has to be done for them. Right? They can't move. They can't do anything. There's no life in them. We were dead. We couldn't have done anything. Christ did it all for us. God, by his grace, has lifted us up into the heavenly places and seated us in Christ. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are seated with him at the right hand of the Father. We don't live like that very often because we're still stuck in this world. We're still stuck. When I look at cheeseburger, I still gain weight, right? That we're still stuck in this. But we're at the right hand of the Father continually showing us and generations to come his immeasurable grace. Now this placement in Christ, this is a tough one to wrap your mind around, but it's one of power, authority, and victory. Christ has imparted these to you. 
Grace has imparted these to you. In Christ, all power, authority, and victory are in Jesus Christ. Now, if you're like me, you don't feel very powerful sometimes. You don't feel very victorious sometimes. In fact, you don't feel like there's any authority over anything in your life. And that's okay. Because it's Jesus who has that. And he's imparted that to you. He says, let me do that. By my grace, let me do those things in and through you. I've given power over these things. The free gift of God is the lavish love displayed through his marvelous, continual action of grace. We hold to the truth of the old hymn that says, Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that is greater than all our sin. I think sometimes we think, oh man, I've just gone too far. Uh, you know, again? You know, do you ever look at yourself when you do something? You go, really? Again? You know, and, and, and God forbid you'd ever do that to your kids. But I did that to my kids. Again? Really? Come on. You know better than that. Well, no, maybe they don't. Maybe I don't at times. So maybe you feel undeserving of God's grace. Maybe you've had a tough week, a tough month, a tough year, a tough season. We have those. It's rough sometimes. You may have made some choices hmm, that the enemy currently brings up that makes you question your position in Christ. Right? If I tell you, hey, you're in a position of power, authority, and victory because you're hidden in Christ, you might go, really? You might be here today and feel like you've gone too far for God's grace to reach you. Let me proclaim to you that the grace of God extends beyond our wildest imagination, and nothing can separate you from his love poured out in and through grace. If you hear nothing else today, hear that, that he has done it for you, and there's nothing you can do to separate you from that love. People know, you need to know that why we were still far from God not wanting God. In fact, it says we were enemies of God. I don't want anything to do with you. you guys know some people. I don't want anything to do with you, God. If there is such a thing, right? Some people say that. We desire only our selfish and simple desires. Christ still died and paid the price for our sin to be removed for all eternity. Isaiah 59, one of my favorite verses. You hear that a lot from me, right? But seriously, 59.1. This is a great verse. Behold, the Lord's hand is not too short to save. Meaning no one's beyond his reach. You have some people you're like, okay, forget it. They're never coming back to Christ or they're never going to receive Christ. I mean, I think of, you know, serial murderers and things like that, you know, Charles Manson. You know what? God can save that guy. He can. It's not too short to save. This includes, though, you and it includes me and any loved one we may have lost hope for. I mean, there's times you pray for people for weeks, months, years, and they're just not, not turning towards the Lord, and we sometimes give up. Trust that the Lord says that his arm is not too short to save. They haven't gone too far. And this gives us grace and hope for others, but you see these on your seats, and I'll push these for a couple weeks and years. No, but, um, but I think it's so important that we pray for people. I think it's so important that we know there are people in our lives that we want to see God work in, that we like, oh, if you just knew Jesus, if you would just receive his gift, 
your life, but you would just be so much happier. And I don't want to go to heaven without you. I mean, we have those type of friends. And sometimes, like, I wish you'd get saved so I could get along with you, right? There's that, too. But let's not negate the power of prayer. So this says, you know, I am praying and watching with expectation for God to move in the lives of these people. I encourage you, write some people down, put it on your fridge, put it on a mirror, put it somewhere where you look at every day to remind you to pray for these people. And then watch in expectation. That's another problem we have. Sometimes, you, you know, because we're, we forget how awesome the grace of God is, that we don't watch with expectation that God's really going to do what we're praying for. The next point is that grace is our foundation. Our faith is only as deep as the grace of God. Let me say that again. Our faith is only as deep as the grace of God. Now, the grace of God is a never-ending fountain of joy flooding the souls of his beloved kid. You can't find the depth of it. So if faith is only as deep as the grace of God, and there is no end to the depth of the grace of God, our faith continues to draw and grow in the fathomless depths of grace. You'll continually grow in this grace. You and I stand on the reality of grace, and we hold fast to the grace of God. And we want to be those who are so overwhelmed with the grace of God that we freely give the grace of God to others, because that's the natural response when, we're, when we really understand and we're really cognizant of the grace of God in our lives. We like to give it to other people. John Mark McMillan penned the words of a song that's been on the radio lately. If grace is an ocean, we're all sinking. I think I said this several weeks ago. If grace is an ocean, we're all sinking. Think about the ocean. Sometimes you go in the ocean and you can't see land anywhere around you. And grace just overwhelms you to where you can't even get out of it. And it's a good thing. We want to drown in grace. That's a good thing. We want to be drenched in grace. Once we have received grace, we are placed, immersed in the glorious life of grace. Now, the weird thing about us is what do we do? Let me get outside of that grace for a little bit. And, and you can't, but you, you just think you try. You try. It just, we're so weird. I don't get it. I'm glad God is long-suffering and continues to give us more and more grace. Now we can pray, though, with confidence. When we understand this grace, God, what are you inviting me into today? Because we're so overwhelmed with the grace, I'm getting excited about grace I get to give to somebody. I'm getting excited about where, God, you're going to place me today because all your ways are grace upon grace. And I can go, hey, I'm stepping with full grace. You know, if you want to step in something, step in grace, right? And maybe we can ask each other, hey, are you stepping in it? <laughs> but we mean grace, right? <clears throat> we now stand on the promise, experience, and the surety of God's grace. This grace is overwhelming, and it brings us to our, our last point here. Grace is a motivator. It really is. Ephesians 2.10 states that, that we have been given salvation through grace that results in walking in works that God has prepared for us to walk into. I call this the divine setup. Listen, God has prepared stuff for you to walk into. He's already done it. All his ways are good. And our problem, somebody, well, I don't know, God. He's prompting you to go talk to that person. Or he's saying, hey, you know, I want you to do this. Or go over here. Or, hey, when you're at work today, can you, can you focus on me a little bit more? Or, hey, when you go out with your friends, you know, I'm, I'm going to give you an opportunity to share. And, and so we start stressing out about it. And we, and we go, I don't know if I can trust God to stand for him. 
maybe not all you. You guys are all just these radical evangelists that are telling everybody about Christ. I know that. But I hear there are people like this who stress out about just living for Christ and being excited about the grace that God has given them wherever they might find. So here's a question. So God's preparing these works in advance that you walk in them. If God prepares something, will it accomplish his purposes? And we're like, we all say, yeah, of course. But yet still we're like, well, maybe his purposes were this and this happened because I failed, right? It's not about you. The pressure's off of you. All the pressure is on God, who gives you grace upon grace and always fulfills his purpose. So if he has prepared walk, things for you to walk in, and you walk in them in light of his grace, guess what? His purpose will be fulfilled. And again, remember, his ways are not our ways. So sometimes we're like, how can this be fulfilling your purpose? And only to find out later, did it drive you to, to just rest upon the grace of God? Did it drive you to say, oh, Lord, I'm busted. It's all about you. You know? Did it drive you to go, you know, it's not about me. I can't earn anything. It's all about you. God prepares works for us to accomplish by the power of his spirit inspired by our standing in grace. Grace causes us to care about others. Grace gives us a heart to reach out to others, right? Because we've been cared for. God's given us the grace. We've been reached out to by God's grace. Grace draws us to extend grace to others. Man, I don't want to hog this. But here's a challenge for us. Am I being selfish with God's grace? Sometimes I'm like, hey, thank you, Jesus. I'll take it. I don't care about anybody else. Yeah, this is confession time for me, right? Sometimes I'm that way. I'm like, you know what? Thank you, Jesus, but I just, I just don't want to put up with people. Certain people, not you. I'll put up with you. It's a joy to hang out with all of you. But there are some people I'm like, you know what? I, I'm just tired. I, you know? You guys have those people. Don't, don't lie. Your family gatherings, extended family, there's that one person. And you're like, oh, okay. Help me out, Jesus, right? And so what do you do? You spend, instead of extending grace, you spend your time, there they are. There they are. <laughs> you just keep staying away from them. Don't be selfish with God's grace. He is definitely not selfish with it to you. When we are overwhelmed with the weight of God's grace and how great his love is for us, we cannot help but be motivated to share his grace with others. But the problem we have is this. It's us. If you look in the mirror, that's the problem we have. Now, I'm not going to be one of those guys that says we have to constantly just beat ourselves up because that's, that's a wrong focus too. But we need to have this balance to go, you know what? I'm not this, but God is everything. I can't do this, but through, all, through God, all things are possible. I don't have the goods, but God has gifted them to me and is going to work through me. We need to understand that's a good, healthy balance as a believer. We become distracted and we, dare I say, even as a believer, we become conceited. And you know what? We think, you know, our stuff doesn't stink so bad. It's all right. And we neglect to remember or be aware of the amount of grace God has gifted us. Say you had just a, a blow-up moment in your life that you were just busted big time. And you were so thankful for the grace of God. But then you start these steps to recovery. You pick yourself back up again. Your life starts going again. And you start finding yourself just, yeah, I'm okay. I'm good. And God's like, wait, you're only there because I lifted you out of the dark pit. How can you take that to your credit now? But we do that. And he goes, oh, come here. Let me help you out a little bit. And hopefully that we would be those people that hear the gentle voice of God speaking out grace upon us. Hey, look what I've done for you. Hey, aren't you great grateful? 
that I have just brought you this far. Isn't it great you're not dependent upon yourself? This is why I think one of the values of gathering together, whether it be here on a Sunday morning, whether it be for coffee during the week, whether it be at somebody's house for dinner, or you know, with other things that we have offered to do, it's to remind us of the grace of God. I was thinking this morning, you know, before Bible study here, we're laughing. And makes us, isn't it great that we just have a good time and we laugh together? That's grace. To be able to laugh and to have joy is just a gift of grace from the Lord. And why wouldn't you want to do that? It's fun to laugh. I think it's fun to laugh. You know, they say it's, uh, they say, the Bible, <laughs> it's good medicine. Well, maybe we should laugh a little more. Don't take it as far as some of the charismatic people. But, you know, maybe we should laugh a little bit more. Be a little more lighthearted. Man, it's done. God's grace. It's done. All my troubles. Not to worry about. But it's good to be reminded of our humanity when we get together. And the great desperation for the intervention of God on our behalf. When we get together, yeah, we have a good time. But at some point in time, you know, you're like, hey, isn't God good? Isn't it amazing what he's done? You know, one of these things that, that I've always said is when, when Christians get together... You know, we don't have to contrive anything. Christ will come up in the conversation. It's just the way we're wired. If Christ is your life, and you're sharing life with other people, Christ is going to become the topic of conversation at some point in time. It is not that we are those who do not walk in this Christian life victorious, because we do. It is that we need to be keenly aware of who has won the victory. Jesus. There was a book years ago called The Victorious Christian Living. And I'll tell you something, I felt very unvictorious after I read it. Great author. I mean, I, I, like, I like the author. But it's like, if, you don't, if you're doing this, you're living victorious. If you're doing this, you're living victorious. If you're doing this, you're living victorious. I said, how about if I focus on Jesus? I, I, and I have a hard time even doing that. God, help me do that. He is the victory. Your victory is in Jesus. Not in anything you do. And as a response to what he's done, he'll guide you and lead you in those works that he's prepared in advance for you to walk in that show you that you're victorious in him and because of him. When we come together, we encourage one another in the grace of the Lord. I pray that we are a people who are known for how well we extend grace. Because you know what? People need grace. Because we know we don't deserve it. And when it's given to us, when you don't deserve it, it is just a healing salve. You just go, oh, man, how humbled am I that I would receive this grace? How wonderful is it that we have the opportunity to enjoy the grace of God in the moment of communion this morning? Because when we come to the communion, it's not some routine. It's not something that we, okay, we went to the Lord's table. It must be the third uh, Sunday of the month because here I am and we're, we're doing it. No, it's more than that. It's we're coming and it's a means of grace that God is saying, hey, guess what? The presence of Jesus Christ is here. And he wants to tell you, you're forgiven. I've done it for you. Be at peace. We need that reminder because we're forgetful people. Not only are we remembering, but in the very presence of Jesus, he's reminding. So I think there's this duality of, of, of that happens. Jesus says, hey, do this in remembrance of me. Why? Because we need to be reminded. And his we need to be in his presence. And so he's like, this is a spiritual act, people. This isn't just, oh yeah, great, thank you. He's like, hey, I'm here. I want you to know that I'm here. 
When we come to the Lord's table, we are banking, we are counting on the fact that the presence of Christ is there and giving us grace upon grace. So let's take a moment. I believe, like I said, that God is always speaking. I believe he speaks through his word. I believe he, he, he brings things. When you come together, just say, I'm going to go set it some time aside to be at, at, at church. I'm going to set aside to be time to be you know, with the Lord and his people. He's drawing you, and he wants to speak to you, and I believe he's always speaking. So let's take some time, just for a moment here, to respond to what God is saying in the strength of the Spirit.